Welcome to the Urban Income Show, where we speak with CEOs, CMOs, CTOs, founders, and other executives who are minorities or in underserved communities to learn about their strategies for success. I'm your host, Laval Chichester, the CEO of Growth Skills and Urban Income, and today's episode features Jess Cook. Jess is the head of Content at Lasso and the co-host of That's Marketing Baby the That's Marketing Baby podcast. She's a creative director turned content marketer and strategist with more than 15 years of experience conceptualizing and executing breakthrough work for brands like Ego, Rice Krispies, Blue Cross, and many, many others. Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Laval. Excited to be here. Yeah, I love your podcast. I started listening to it and I was like, wow, this is fire. Like, the energy, the, the content, the discussion, I was like, okay, this is definitely one of those gems that, um, that I'm going to have on heavy rotation. So thank you for producing uh, amazing work. Oh, thank you. I love hearing that. Um, my co-host Susan and I, when we first started doing that podcast, we were like, we just want it to feel fun. I feel like there's so many B2B marketing podcasts out there that feel a little uh, stiff. And we just wanted it to be like, you know, you listen to a true crime podcast and you feel like you're just listening to some friends talk. Like that's what we wanted it to feel like. So I love hearing that feedback. That's exactly that's exactly how it feels. But I think the the the, the substance of the the conversation and 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 the lessons that you're giving is very is good too, right? It's not just thank you like junk food. It's like wow, yeah, oh, wow, okay, that that was that's really good. And I have a question um, that I want to I've I've added to the mix. I uh, just I listened to some stuff and it's really, it's been on my mind and I tried not to yell at people on LinkedIn in the comments like, ah, and, and your take on it was perfect. So I was like, well, I'm just going to share this. <laughs> All right. I love it. <laughs> so um, how do you, how do you introduce yourself to people? I'm Jess Cook. I am a proud Michigander and Midwesterner, um, an American. I'm a woman. I'm a mom, a wife. Uh, a runner and a Swifty, a Taylor Swifty. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And um, has any any of these things, um, being a woman, a any of those led to any of your success? Have you had any problems in in, in work and during your career because because of any of your background? I mean, I think every woman in any field encounters some pushback, um, some aggression in term, you know, I mean, it can be from, you know, small kind of, um, passive, uh, ways or, or more. I I've been, I've been relatively lucky in that sense that, um, you know, besides some kind of offhanded comments, uh, or kind of inappropriate things said or done, um, uh, I've never experienced, uh, more than that. Luckily, um, I know so many women have, um, but I think what I'm really thankful for is I had a lot of um, male mentors who just saw my talent and brought me to the table with them. Um, and for that, I'm really grateful because, you know, I didn't, I, I was uh, the first, you know, female creative director um, at, at uh, an agency that I worked at for a really long time. And, and that was, that was, you know, I, I didn't always have, um, somebody like that to kind of guide me. And, and so I think that was, uh, really important that I had, you know, men who were mentors who were like, she's talented and I see that, and I'm going to bring her along, um, 
and teach her what I know. And I'm really thankful for that. That's incredible. And why I really, I even changed the the intro because our engagement, when I reached out to you, I said, hey, we're interviewing um, minorities, um, leaders, executives on the show. Um, and your reply was like, oh, well, I'm not a minority. Here's someone else. And one, I love that. And I, I would love to still interview the, the person you put forth. Um, and, and I love that response. And Two, uh, the, what we created in doing all of the research and, and what we did with building, you know, urban income, we saw that, and it's minorities and underserved communities like, like women, I think that it's very important that we cast a wider net than some of what's already out there because they're like, you know, I won't mention names or some things that are only for blacks and Latinos or only for blacks and all of that. But I think we miss out on an opportunity because, you know, yes, you know, minority women, black, Asian, they have different, they have different problems that they're going to run into. But I think the base of being gender discrimination and all those types of things are very important. And we could learn from that, your experience. Um, so that's why we casted a, a broader net. And then from, from when you think about income, um, saving, investing, those types of things, like the skills that you could pass on because you're very good at your craft, are priceless, right? <clears throat> so that's why I, I also wanted to start with that discussion, this that that um this that that discussion, and then I changed the, our intro just so that when people are listening, um, <clears throat> they're like, oh wait, what is this? And why are there white women on there? Like, you know, I don't, you know, they're gonna whatever, right? But um, and I think your point that you just made on allyship is is very is very important. That's why we're um, I'm working. I'm talking with Rand Fishkin, Rand Fishkin to get him on the show because he he's very good from an allyship standpoint. Um, Amanda was just on the show who who worked with them at Spark Tour. Her story is incredible, but um, but I think it's important, even though he's a white male. Like your point on allyship, and especially within the tech world, like his POV is very powerful, and 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 so we're not gonna discriminate and keep people off the show just because of this focus, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think without their help, without those allies help, like we, you know, we have to have their help in order to get to these positions of leadership to break that 3%, right? Only 3% of women are um, in C-level and, and leadership roles. And so like, in order to make that happen, like, we need we need their assistance. So I love that. I think that's great, Laval. So uh, how? So just on the allyship, how can companies or even people um, help women um, within a workplace? I, yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with um, mentorship. Um, I think back to the people that have really helped me grow. Um, they you know, kind of took me under their wing. They taught me what they knew. They let me fail a little bit here and there and in, in a safe way. Right. Um, and then helped me learn a, a lesson from whatever that failure was so that it, I didn't do it again. And so that, you know, the next time around, it, whatever I was creating or doing or trying, um, succeeded. Um, I had, um, a creative director when I was a young copywriter by the name of Andy Gould. And, um, I remember one time he let me, he, he put me on my first print ad 
And I was so excited. And then I was so terrified because I was like, this is going to be in magazines. Like people are going to see this. It's got to be good. Right. And, um, and he, he sat with me for hours and we would just look at really good print. And he, you know, he'd be like, why is this one so good? You know, and we'd talk about it. And, and I think just that time spent with someone and almost getting, helping them get to an answer on their own. Like that to me is where I grew and learned so much from, from my mentors. I think, I think that's incredible. And for everyone looking, I think the point on, I've been lucky throughout my, my life. I've had literally mentors who've saved my life, right. And, and guided me in precious moments where I was going hard down the wrong, wrong direction. It's just like, Hey, just take a minute, breathe. And I know it's going to happen. You should go this way. Yeah. Um, and that really, really, really helps. So I think also, if you're listening, seek out mentorship. Uh, I think that's really important. People don't know that a lot of people want to give back. So it's on your job to ask. Like literally, my wife just asked. She's at the top of her game. She's like one of the top physical therapists in New York, but highly specialized. So a hand therapist and going to be a pel pelvic floor therapist. There's only... 11 hand therapists in, in New York. Wow. And she's still like, hey, I need a mentor. Her mentor is not in her field. Her mentor is like, you know, like massive in her, her, her field, but she still knows that she needs that mentorship, even though she's at the top of her game, right? Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's incredible. Um, tell us, tell, how, do you get, how did you get into marketing? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I was in, I was copywriter and creative director for 15 years on, um, I know you mentioned some at the top of the show, some, some big uh, kind of um, household name brands. And that was really, really fun. But I was working in ad agencies and um, they're not very well known for their work-life balance um, or kind of the, the treatment of their people. Were you in the um, big, big, big agencies? Some of them, yeah. I was at uh, VML for a while. I was at a okay. subsidiary of Leo Burnett for a while. Um, yeah, so so some big places and some small ones as well, um, which was a lot of fun. Uh, some more kind of local work and and really have to get kind of scrappy and creative mm -hmm. with how you spend budget, things like that. Um, but I, I, I had uh, at the time she was boy four or five, a daughter, and I was pregnant with our second and. I was missing gymnastics. Like I was commuting at the time, right? And so it was almost an hour and a half home some days and I, I would miss gymnastics. I would I'd get home and it would be like we had an hour before bedtime. And I, I, it just drove me nuts. It really ate at me. And I knew it wasn't going to get better with two kids. <laughs> and so I quit the agency world um, while I was expecting. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to have this baby. I'm going to do some freelance work for a while and I'll figure it out. And kind of through that, I realized like, I want to be remote. I want to, I want to be able to work from home. Like there's so many marketing jobs, creative jobs where you can, where you yeah. can work from and home. This is, this is before work from home. This is 2019. Okay. Yeah. The summer of 2019. So, um, I just started kind of looking around on at that time, it was like, there was a handful of like remote work sites for <laughs> tech jobs. And so I was kind of looking on those and, and very naively, it was like content marketing feels like it's kind of on the same plane as like, you know, copywriting and creative direction like that. That seems right. And so I went really heavy into looking at jobs like that. 
And I got, um, now I realize very, very lucky to uh, land a role at a company called Fastly um, as a content marketing manager. And when I say I thought I knew what content marketing was, um, and then I realize, you know, I get there and I like start seeing what it actually is. Um, oh man, it was like the, the learning curve was steep. And um, I had to pick up a lot of things very, very quickly because just the nature of um, being in an agency and being in-house is very different. And I think, yeah, the main difference being I was now the one responsible for a business case, a goal, understanding why the cool idea that I thought was so cool was going to drive, actually drive business. And I did not have to understand any of that in the agency world. And so that was one of those things where I was like, I, I have to figure out, I have to figure this out or else they're going to like, I'm going to be out of here, right? Like the cool ideas aren't going to cut it anymore. Um, it's much more about how do you tie this to a goal? How are you going to measure what does success look like? No, that, I think that's really important too. And if you're, you know, if you're listening that, that transition. So I, I spent, I grew up in Adland, big agency land. I got the scars to prove it. I'm a recovering, <laughs> recovering agency person. Um, and, uh, you know, going into, then I worked work client side and you realize that, like, I think everyone in their career should do that just to get a perspective. And if you want to hop back, now I run an agency. I run my own agency, but I have that perspective. So I have this deep understanding yeah. of what it feels like when you're not getting what you're supposed to get from a from a, from a, a, an agency. And it's just it's just a whole other world. So I think that's uh that, that's incredible. And then so you started there, and then you 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 did what? Uh, I started there. I was there for two years and I learned a ton of just foundational marketing. Um, I was on, it was a pretty big company. We, um, by the time I got there, uh, Fastly had gone public and we had, you know, upwards of 700 employees. So we had a decent sized marketing team. I had a lot of resources, a lot of people to bounce ideas off of. And I was able to kind of see like, okay, how all the different roles fit together, how product marketing works with content marketing, how um, events works with content marketing, right? Like I was kind of able to plug myself into a lot of different places. I oversaw all of the marketing um, content needs for EMEA. Um, so, you know, Europe and like what they needed, right? And And how kind of field marketing worked with content marketing. So that was just an invaluable lesson for me to be able to just build that foundation. But what I wasn't really passionate about was the product. Um, the, you know, it was just, it was very technical. It was, um, it had a lot to do with kind of like internet infrastructure. It was a developer audience. Um, and I knew that my next move, I wanted to go somewhere where I was really, really passionate about the product itself and like had a, had, had some understanding of, of how it worked. And so my next move was to a company called Marpipe. Um, and they were a very scrappy startup out of New York. I was their first marketing hire, uh, and they were a testing platform for ad creative. So I felt like it was this perfect mesh of what I had learned in terms of content marketing at Fastly and what I had done for the 15 years before that in Adland, right, coming together. And so um, I was there for just over a year standing up their kind of content machine, um, you know, building kind of a, a culture of content, building their newsletter. Um, and that was where I met Susan, who's my co-host on That's Marketing Baby. 
Um, she and I set up the podcast at Marpipe and were the hosts there. And then uh, around that time is when I started really getting big into like posting on LinkedIn, like daily posts on LinkedIn, just sharing my knowledge, you know, the, the little bit that I have and um, started growing an audience. And um, in doing so, uh, met, a, met a ton of people, uh, one of which was a man by the name of Drew Brucker, who is the VP of marketing at Lasso. And about four or five months into kind of meeting him. We had a couple Zoom coffees. You know, he reached out and, and said, what, what would it take for me to get you over here? I think we really need someone to, to build content for us and, and head that up. Uh, and so I started there um, in December of 2022. So I've now been there about six months. And that's amazing. So I think that like ties a lot of questions in that, that I have. So like one of the things, and you, so you have over 17,000 um followers on LinkedIn. That's, that's a lot. And, and, and you have more than lasso basically. Cause I look, Oh wow. It's <laughs> like, that, that's not usually the thing. Right. Yeah. And um, so how did how, one, what, what would you, how important is that personal brand? Cause that's what you're building and that's what you have, right. Established and very, very strong. You don't get 17 followers, 17,000 followers overnight. How important is that to, to your career journey? Um, I think it is the main tentpole of the rest of my career journey. Um, I think my when I initially started, my goal was I don't want to ever have to actually apply for a job again. Um, and that was a, that was a really big deal to me. I didn't ever want to have to fill out that form. Right. Cause you, you have to fill out, you have to put in your resume. You basically have to regurgitate all of the same information into a form, right? You're going through nine interviews. Like I didn't want to have to do that again. I wanted it to be based on who I was and, um, just kind of the, like you said, the personal brand that I had built and my thinking that um, people had been exposed to and kind of let that speak for itself. Um, and so amazingly, like I can check that off the list, right? Like I I didn't really apply at Lasso. They kind of sought me out and and that that is really, really incredible. Um, I think too, just the the income potential that I have kind of created by doing this um, is way more than I ever could have not having done this. Right. Um, and I think that's because I now have, you know, some, some name recognition. Um, I'm, I'm being asked to be on podcasts. People know who I am. Um, I'm being asked to, you know, vouch for, for, uh, some products that I really, really believe in. Um, which is, which is a really cool thing. Um, getting asked to speak at events, uh, which is kind of new for me and, and also really exciting, like a live kind of event thing. Um, so, you know, I think just the exposure that it gets you is, is huge. And I think there's no, there's no limit to the voices that can be out there. Right. Um, and I think that is the best thing. Like, yes, there's tons of other content marketers on LinkedIn, but none of them have the same experience, career path, failures, challenges that me, uh, that I have, right? And and it, the same would go for anyone who chooses to get out there and start posting. And so I think that is the, the fantastic thing about it is anyone can do this. 
and and be a voice that people can be like, oh, I like what they have to say. I'm going to start following them. I really, I really like that because a lot of people just don't start because they're like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to compete with Jess right. Cook, like seventeen thousand, and then they already boom, they already shoot themselves in the foot and end their ability to to actually get it done because they they didn't even start, they won't start, right? right. And I think, and I'm gonna get this all wrong, but it's like ninety percent of people like just watch, and then like maybe ten percent, the other nine percent will comment and then one percent publishes <laughs> yeah like and if one percent of like you know the world is publishing and, and creating there's absolute room for for you yes. like you said like you've proven um and i think i'm on that path as well um to, 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 to be able to do that and how important is consistency with that you said so there's two things that, that i actually really like so you you daily so daily cadence but your top post on LinkedIn is here's some things I learned. I think it says from 2023, and it's like, don't worry about your post cadence because <laughs> no one cares. Take your vacation. It's like, but yep. that's the top post because I think people have anxiety because of that. So while you do, and do you still have a daily cadence? And uh, tell, tell us about that. Yeah. Okay. So my goal when I started was like I'm going to post every weekday, uh, and I have kept that up except unless I'm on vacation. Um, because I'm not, it, it is like an extra thing to do every day. It does require like me to sit down and kind of think and, and write. And, um, so I, I don't want to have to do that when I'm like away with my family. Right. And, and sometimes you just need a break from it. Sometimes your best ideas come when you're like, I'm done with that for a little while. I'll come back. Um, so I have posted every weekday, unless I was on vacation since April 18th, 2022. And, um, I kept that cadence up for a couple of reasons. One, I think that is just the best way to build the habit. Uh, if it becomes, if you become a person who posts on LinkedIn every day, you're much more likely to not, you know, just to let it go or not do it. Two, I think I realized right away, I became a much better writer, much faster. And I've been writing for a long time. And, um, I think it just helped me hone some things that, you know, because I hadn't been writing every day, I just never honed. And I corrected some habits that I'd kind of held on to over the years. Um, I learned from other people because I was on there every day of like how to make things really punchy and interesting and how to hook people. So those are really the two main reasons of like, I wanted to make it a habit and I wanted it, I wanted to get just a little bit better at it every day. So I think that consistency is really, really important. I think that answered that question. On that note, like, so someone listening, so I think we've discussed how you get in, into the game, like, you know, get, get a job and learn on the job and, and, and grow from there in that vein. Um, you know, having a personal brand helps. So post on LinkedIn and other social channels to, to sort of get that, that get, get that visibility. Um, so now I'm a professional, Let's say I'm a professional. I have this. I'm good at copywriting. Um, I'm building that personal brand. How would you advise someone make money on the side um, off of those skills? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one really important thing to know, because I think this is another thing you, you talked about, kind of the competition factor, like making people not want to post. I think the other thing people think is like, well, I'm no expert. Like, who am I? And I, that was kind of what held me back for a long time. So I think the first thing to know is like. Think about yourself a year ago, two years ago. What would you have needed to hear then 
to be better at your job, to be more confident, to try something new, right? So post about that. Like think about helping yourself from two years ago with every single post. And, And that I think helps kind of spark some ideas of like, what could I write about? What wasn't I good at two years ago that I'm really good at now that I could help people with struggling with those same things? So I think that that's um, that's the first thing. I think what will happen is you'll start to post about those things and you'll start to see what resonates, right? Uh, for a long time, uh, I was posting a new headline template every Tuesday. I called it Headline Template Tuesday. And it was basically just a way for people to be like, you can use this headline template on a piece of content on your homepage, you know, in a social post, and you can kind of fill in the blanks, Mad Lib style, and you'll have a headline. And I did that for a very long time. And then I collected all of those and I put them into a a document. And eventually it became part of a course that, that I created about how to write uh, better home pages. Um, and so I now sell that course online and it's something that I can, you can link, you can get right to from my, uh, LinkedIn, um, profile. And so that's another way that I can like, okay, now I have this kind of little side hustle that like I did the work once. And now every time I make a sale there, it's like, yes, that, that effort and that time that I took to create that course has absolutely paid off. So that to me is like, give yourself some time to really figure out like what it is that people come to you for. What, what are your most successful posts? Start taking a look at them. Are there, is there a trend? Is it always about one topic or, you know, one, one kind of story that you're elaborating on? And then there's something in there that people want more of and like figure out what that is. And maybe you can create a course. Maybe you can do a video series, right? Like maybe there's something in there that you can figure out a really nice little side hustle. That's incredible. Um, We'll talk about AI, but I've been consuming a ton of content about around AI in the future and what, you know, experts are predicting and and all of these things. And I, I'm starting to feel like, because there is going to be job loss, right? And I really think, unfortunately, and I think that it is people like you who have built a strong personal brand that will always be in demand, right? That will always hold on to their job because one, you have your own audience, two, you sort of protect because you have your passive side income so you could wait out any struggles and, and you know, you're gonna be in demand. So people are gonna want the better than the best and who are publicly the best so that they could they could get you to work with the AI, right? Yeah. And all those types of things. So like, this is what you're doing, in my opinion, is survival. <laughs> it's like you're- It's an in insurance the- policy, right? Yeah, there you go. Because that's what you're doing. And, and really like, I think people think about it. I think people have to change their mindset about this. Like your that resume- that doesn't even matter. <laughs> like yeah. the, 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 the audience that you built, the, the proof that you, you are an expert and that's what's going to be, because it's going to be a, a smaller teams doing a lot more with AI and the, the heads of those teams are going to be certified. The You know what I mean? Like, yes. like killers, basically. Like they're going to be at the top of their game and I, like, public figures in a way, like influencers, if you'd like. I don't like using that word because it's like kind of tainted, but from a professional standpoint, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and 
I think too, in, in that same vein, anyone who is right now trying to take a look at AI, look at these tools, figure out how they can use them. They're playing with prompts. Even if you don't get it perfect, I I mean, I have, I have a very difficult time refining prompts right now and getting them to do exactly what I need them to do, but I can get them pretty close, right? But I think anyone that's taking that initiative right now is in that same echelon of like, you know, people who are building a personal brand, like you're trying to get out ahead of these market forces that are changing the way people can be employed or or deployed right in their in their roles and so i think you know one way to do that is with linkedin or or twitter or you know your kind of um social platform of of choice where you're getting your uh, your voice out there and your professional opinion out there. And another way to do that is making sure that you are experimenting with AI tools because this is the worst they're ever going to get. And so they're, th- as they get better, like we have to have a firm grasp on them so we don't get passed by the folks who do have a firm grasp on them. It's funny. I'm, I'm writing a course on AI with the help of ChatGPT and and the reason I'm doing it is because as I'm because I'm not going to be able to research everything like I like I did with other courses that 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 we created we're growth skills but in using the AI and I obviously refine it and feed it and and, and make it what what what's funny is ChatGPT spits out a, a really good framework and, and it's on how to use AI for content and they say and they break down there's a chapter that talks about SEO social and I didn't ask it to do that right yeah. It's like, okay, so you understand that. And I'm going to feed it like what I know, my expertise in those specific sections. But the background that it did on the founder of AI and, and like the differences, like, thank you. <laughs> I would have to research yeah. that and put it in. And I'm going to fact check everything. But I realized that like right. I've already learned so much just because I'm doing this exercise of, and at the end of it, I'm going to have a course, something something of value that I could share with the world. But I'm learning in that process, and I'm and I'm using the tool, so I'm learning how to use the tool and, and figuring it out. And so, yes, um, exactly, it's pretty it's pretty incredible, actually. Um, like the opportunities, I think that are being presented to everyone right now. Um, so I think people really need to need to hop on that. Yeah. Um, Tell us about Lasso. Well, what what does Lasso do? Lasso is uh, software for event companies. So, you know, you go to a conference, um, and before you got there, there was a, a very hardworking team of people who were setting up all of the lights and the chairs and making sure the sound is working just right. Um, you know, and even before that, right, there was a team of people who were planning all of this, who were using the budget to kind of figure out, you know, how are we going to spend this money to create this event, to do what we need it to do. And so our software helps them, those companies, those event production companies, um, manage projects, uh, track their inventory, right? Like scan in their speakers and their cameras and then scan them back in when they get to the warehouse, schedule all of their crew. So, you know, I got, I need my, my lighting person and my audio person on this job. Um, and then I have, you know, this other job over here. I need this other lighting person at, right? There, there's just so much that goes into events and there's not one, one single tool that does everything. And, and that's what Lasso is. A lot of these event production companies have, they have like a Monday to project manage and they have uh, something else to manage their inventory and they have something else that does scheduling. But 
where things fall through the cracks is that none of those talk to each other. And so, you know, you're double booking people or uh, you say, think you have a piece of gear that's actually not in the warehouse right now and it's not been recorded, right? So um, very similar to if anyone has heard of the company Toast, how they kind of revolutionized the restaurant industry and being kind of the main software platform for point of sale at restaurants we're we're really like gunning for that position in the event space of being like the top event production piece of software. I mean, that's so important. One, like anyone throwing an event, it's just like, it's the worst job in the world. It's like- It's so, so hard. hard. And it's so stressful. Yes. Um, so I could only imagine that like the, like that's a big problem that you're solving and, and you're probably saving people money because like, yeah. Like if you're double booking and and, and you're not tracking all of those things, that's um that's a really big problem. Yeah, and and the time they save too. Like I, we've spoken to so many customers, they're like, it used to take me five days to schedule an event, and now I can do it in five minutes. I mean, the time difference there, right? And then they can go off and do more dollar producing activities. So we're we're helping these event companies really just cut down on like the, the wasted time, the manual processes and like really bring them into, you know, kind of the modern era. That's amazing. And so how are you using SEO and content? And I usually pair SEO with content mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm, I'm starting to stop doing that, but that's just the world I, I sort of grew up in. And, um, and so how, how does this, how does, how are you using that to, to grow Lasso? Yeah. We are very fortunate in that the majority of our organic search comes, it's branded. Um, a lot of people in the event space know who we are. And so, you know, if they're searching our name, we know that that's closer to, you know, bottom of the funnel. They, they at least know who we are, right? Um, and they're searching for us specifically. Um, so we, we have not gotten to a point yet where we're very focused on top of funnel keywords simply because we're really focused on those people who are like intent on buying soon, right? So we are very focused on uh, kind of product led. Um, so, you know, we, we launched a, a event production specific project management tool earlier this year. So we did a lot around, you know, how to evaluate a project management tool for your event production company. Um, the mistakes that you're making, um, when you are, you know, project managing your, um, your event, things like that, right. Where they're, they're very, um, tailored to that product that was just launched. And so we have had, uh, this year, um, by the time this episode airs, we will have had four product launches in six months, <laughs> which oh, wow. is a feat in and of itself, yeah. <laughs> uh, with a four person marketing team. Um, but you know, each time that happens, we're very focused on like, what are the pieces of content people need to see to one, understand the product and two, like kind of get them over that hump of like, do I need this or not? And getting right to like, I need this. <laughs> yeah. And I see that your project ma management page is starting to rank for that keyword. So yeah, granted, awesome. it's a, a broader, <laughs> a broader <laughs> term. but yeah, I'll, I mean, I'm obsessed with SEO. So I, I always look and see what's ranking and, and all of that. So That's if you awesome. ever need help with that, I, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything basically. Um, so, so, so how are you guys going to use content at all? I mean, AI 
to uh, weave AI into what you're doing, or is that part of the launches? We are right now, we're, we're kind of figuring out how to weave it into our workflow. Um, I think the thing we found the most success with is we, we do have a podcast and um, we use a tool that we kind of feed the podcast into it. It kind of summarizes for us with timestamps, like here's kind of the key takeaway here and a quote from that. Here's the key takeaway here and a quote from that. What, so what's less the of the, that? Uh, we, there's, there's a couple that we really like. There's one called Pod Squeeze and oh, then right. there's so another something. one. Someone told me about that today, yesterday or something. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good one. And then I was and like, then... I got some guys trying to build this. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, Cast Magic is the other one. They they do very similar things where you can kind of either upload or kind of embed your RSS feed and it will actually pull the episodes in and kind of tell you like, here's kind of the best moments. And and I think the really nice thing is it timestamps it for you. So then I'm going in and I'm using Descript, which is also kind of partially built on on AI and recognizing speech patterns and being able to kind of cut out filler words. And I'm I'm actually editing down some clips um, based on what Pod Squeeze or Cast Magic has given me. I jump into Descript and I cut kind of those like key moments, and we're using those to repurpose the content. Um, so that is really the the main way we're using it right now. Generative AI in terms of like writing content has been a little trickier. Um, we just have not found, we, we often find that like it takes more time to, it, it's much faster to get like the initial piece, right? But to give it like the flair and the personality and the point of view that we always want to embed in every blog post or written piece of content, it actually takes us more time to go back in there and then edit that in than it does to just kind of write it on our own. I, where I have found generative AI to be super helpful is like, I'm writing the piece and I'm like, I'm kind of stuck with how to get from here to the next paragraph. And so J Jasper is one of my favorites. And um, one of my favorite little prompts in Jasper is, uh, this is important because, and then you just hit the little Jasper arrow and it finishes the sentence for you, right? And then I'm like, oh, okay, that's a nice way to transition. And whether or not I actually use exactly what it gave me is not always the case, but um, it at least gives me a really nice jumping off point, right? So it, I think it's great for ideation. There's a lot of tools out there that are really good at like summarizing. Um, and those have been really helpful. I don't think we have cracked yet like really like generative AI at scale for blog writing, which is something I would really love to get to. And again, as these tools get better, it's only going to get easier. Yeah, there's, there's some, What's I did a test. I did um, copy AI versus any word versus Jasper, same topic, ran through the whole thing. And copy AI was just way better. The, 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 what it produced was more in depth. It was about like, what is a CRM? And it late it said here's some top CRM. So it put in actual brands like Salesforce and and so and HubSpot and all that, which was unique to everyone else. So and and you know Jasper probably got better since then. But it's always interesting to see what 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 they spit out. Um, the one thing I, I was worried about each of those Jasper will force you for from a plagiarism standpoint. Jasper would force you to pay more to have a plagiarized check built in. Any word. Anywhere it has it built in, so it comes with whatever monthly fee you pay. And then Copy AI was like, we're 99% plagiarism free. It's like, <laughs> what? 
but there's that one percent. Yeah, exactly. The one percent will get you sued. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's that sort of yeah. So it's just I think being careful with that. Um, I think, but I think when people get their process and and they work towards that, they and I you oh, I think you always have to have a human editor in yeah. there. Um, just because of some of the dangers um, with, on, on the SEO standpoint, if that's what you're using it for, uh, ranking. Um, but I think eventually a lot of companies would just be doing that, using oh, it yeah. to, to pump out content, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's an opportunity to use it for, for vid- videos as well, um, which and I love your your video. You're using a tool to help you edit the video, right? I think Peter found it, but I was like, Peter, look at this. This is incredible. Like I wasn't joking with you. I was like, Yo, Peter, what is this? He's like, Give me a second. Video or something like that. Is that, the, is that okay? What you're gonna love this. So I I I used a script to to edit just to like uh-huh. cut the videos down and actually give myself like the title at the top and my captions. Mm-hmm. But I was looking for something that would like give it a little like differentiator, right? Like give it a little zhuzh. And I I was like, I want like some emojis. Like I want some fun. And my (laughs) 10-year-old said, well, mom, you need CapCut. So the the app is called CapCut. (laughs) You just, you do it on your phone. And she showed me within three minutes, she was like, you just drag your little, you know, your emojis over here. And, and it is, it's, it's like a very easy, a video editing tool you can use right on your phone and it makes it really, really fun. And it's pretty simple. It, it, the first time I probably took, you know, a good 30 minutes to like get it right. Yeah. And you know, the learning curve, right? So now every time I do it, I go, I go a little faster, but yeah, that was, that was for my 10 year old daughter. <laughs> Sorry. That, oh man, the next generation. I've oh, a watch out. She's our, yeah, the next generation is going to be built with the AI is like, yeah, I have a friend. His name is Buddy. <laughs> and he's like AI doing craziness. Yeah, uh, that's pretty incredible. That and thinking. you know what else they don't care about? They don't care about polish on a video. Like it's raw. Like she creates yeah. these videos and and she'll pump them out, you know, and she'll be like, "Mom, look at what I made." And to my eye, it's like, you know, no no creator would post that, but but her friends, like they share these videos and it's just like, they don't care. It's for the fun of it. Right. Mm. It, it's, it's like taking a silly picture to them. Um, but they're just so fast at it and it's more around like getting it out there than it is making it look perfect, which yeah. I, I think is like, let's all, let's all take that mindset. But even on, on YouTube, like sometimes even in social media in general, it's the candid, rougher pictures that yes. from the shots that I've seen that do best. And even the video, if your video has too much polish, people won't really, they think it's fake in a way, like produced. They think it's yeah. like, um, oh, this big company did this versus like a real human being. Yes. You know what I mean? So like, I mean, there's something to that. If if they themselves, the, the next generation of who the brands are going to be selling to or yeah. currently selling to, if that's how they consume it, that's how you, you should match, right? Absolutely. Um, I think that's incredible. Um, is there, let's switch to some money topics. Uh, okay. There, so we talked about, you gave advice about side hustle, like use the user skills, build that side hustle. Um, yours is the specific course that's, you know, that's based off of off of what you do. Um, what, what do you wish you did with your money sooner? Boy. Boy. 
we were we were very smart, my husband and I, about investing in our 401k like right away when we were, you know, right out of school, first job. That's something I'm really glad we did. Me too. Something, uh, what's that? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, man. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it soon enough because I, like, it's just crazy, but continue. Yeah. Just the second you, you can just do it. Um, that, that's huge. Um, something I wished we had done sooner. Man, that, that's a hard question, Laval. COVID put a lot of things into perspective for us. Um, I think uh, one, we were just, one, we were just incredibly like thankful and lucky. Like we, we got COVID, but it was nothing, right? I mean, it was like a cold. So thank God for that. But I think what it showed us was like, we want to spend our money on things that are like our family is going to enjoy together. So we had some thoughts on what that might be. Um, we thought that might be um, a vacation home, maybe. We thought that might be finishing the basement. We thought that might be a number of things, honestly. And none of them like really like took first place. Like we were always kind of like, well, we could do this, we could do this. And 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 so we what we finally decided was like, let's just let's just really find that thing. Like, let's just hold. Like, let's not spend it on anything. Let's just continue to save and continue to save. And and let's just see where life takes us because you know, my, our kids are 10 and my daughter's going to be four this week. And like, you know, who knows where you could be in two years, three years. Um, and so I think, um, don't like really, really think about what is the thing we want. And if, if nothing is like jumping out at you, that's like, that is the answer. Like, just wait, just wait a little longer. Like something in life might change where it's like, oh, that's the thing. That's the thing we should do. Right. So I don't know. That's my advice. I am by no means like a financial guru. Um, my husband is, he's, he's in, yeah, he's in finance and he's the one who, he has this incredible spreadsheet of like buckets of money. And like, I mean, he is, um, he should sell that. That should be his side hustle. He just gave me an idea. Um, but I mean, I think to me is like, I, I just want to make one. I want to show my kids that like um, money is not what makes you who you are. It doesn't. It's it's important. You have to have it, um, but it doesn't mean more than being a good person. Um, it, it doesn't mean more than showing up and and being there for people who need you. Um, so I think that's a big thing. I, I want to show my kids that I think, I think the point I'm trying to get to is like, just really think about what it is that you want. And if you can't figure out what that thing is, like, don't make a rash decision. Um, because I think that's, we've definitely done that before. And it's like, oh man, uh, should have really thought about that. Right. Uh, for instance, so we, um, we lived in Chicago for a long time and needed a new car. And, um, my husband, uh, really, really wanted a BMW, like really wanted it. And we, we could afford it. We had the money and we leased one. And seven days later found out that I was pregnant <laughs> and we were like, Oh, Oh, right. And so, um, you know, I think it's just 
where you are in your life, what you want. I think you have to weigh all of those things constantly, right? Like you have to consistently be re-examining that to like know how you're going to hit your life goals. And here's a good one. This is, this is actually, I'm glad I meandered my way to this point. We know we want to retire at 55. Like that is our, that is our end goal. The, 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 and everything else is gearing up toward that. And so I think maybe the, the, the best advice that I could give as a total non-finance person or, or, uh, you know, definitely not any kind of accountant is what is the end goal? Do you want to retire? Do you want to travel? Do you want to have a vacation home? Like, what is that thing? And then put everything toward that so that you can make it a reality. There you go. <laughs> no, that, that, that's really important because if you don't have a goal, you're just going to waste money, right? Yeah. Um, to if if you don't know what to, what to do, I think savings totally fine. Yeah. And make sure my advice to everyone listening is put it in a like a high yield savings account. So you get yes. more on, on the interest and, and all yes. that. Um, but like, if you don't just waste your money and especially like rainy day, tough times, like yes. it's better to have cash, um, cash on hand, um, especially like in, in the world we're living in on right now. Um, yes. I'm going to ask you one last question. What's the, what's the nicest thing someone has ever done for you in general? It doesn't have to be work related. What's the nicest thing someone has ever done for you? Um, I can think of the most selfless thing someone has ever done for me. Um, when I had my first daughter, I went through a really bad period of postpartum depression. I I didn't want to even watch like funny shows. Like I uh, I was in a bad way. Should have gotten help and didn't. And I would I would recommend anyone out there like just go get help. There is help. Um, and it, it's okay. During that time, I didn't even have like the wherewithal to like clean my house. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything. Um, and we had some family come visit, um, to, to meet the baby and, and see us. And she kind of took me aside and was like, Jess, I'm going to clean your bathroom for you. It's really bad. <laughs> and I just thought her honesty and like for someone to come in and like scrub my toilet for me when I was in no shape to want to do anything. Like it almost brings me to tears thinking about it that, you know, she would get on her hands and knees and, and scrub that place clean because she knew mentally I wasn't there. She knew physically, like I, I just, you know, I was still recovering and I think that was a really, really selfless act of someone to just come in and be like, this is what you need and I'm going to do it for you. And and you just go, you just go over here and I'm just going to go do that. Where Where's your cleaning stuff? And I just thought that that was such a kindness. Um, and I still remember it. And my oldest is 10, you know, so um, it had an impact on me for sure. That's amazing. That's good. It, it's, it's, and the reason I ask that, because I want people to really think gratitude, I think that's part of, if you think yes. income, that's part of your mental wellness, it's part of health. And I think that there's a lot to be like, this is terrible. And a lot of people remember the bad stuff that people did that. So the reason I yeah. always ask that question is one, someone asked it to me and it floored me. I was like, I have 
wow, <laughs> I've never thought of that. And um, and so I like to I like to um, to bring that I out. I love that question. I, I wanted to end there, but I I've skipped over one of the main things I wanted to ask you. And 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 it's it's the I will end with this one. Okay. Uh, I listened to your podcast today, and and you know online there on LinkedIn specifically there the gurus are like oh demand creation demand creation is the new thing and it's it's like you got to de- generate demand and you know this is capture and duh, it's not important duh, 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 duh. and then in listening to your podcast you, you you're discussing it and basically your 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 the end of it was just like you got to do both and i was like in what world did that change when <laughs> yeah, did it change? i know when did it change that you're just going to have a podcast and you're going to like, oh, just talk and create all this demand and then not have like on point capture? Like, it's so crazy to me. And, uh, and I really don't want to like, just like, ah, oh, you need both. Stop. Like, what do you think? Like, there's not even that. They're, they're, I feel like these, the, 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 the gurus out there, they're not even creating something new. This is, has always been a thing. They're just like trying to own it or something. Like, so what is your point? Like, make your points on the difference between demand capture and generation and why you need both. Okay. Okay. So I always like, I need, exa- my brain needs examples to like process concepts. So when you think about demand capture, you're thinking about the people who already know they have a problem and are seeking out a solution. And you want to capture those folks quickly because you want your solution to be the one they choose, right? And so I always like to think of that as if you ever see, you know, a headline that is something around, um, I always use this example, you know, the seven best hydration backpacks for your trail run. I'm a runner, so I always like bring that into the fold. Um, and your hydration backpack happens to be one of those seven, right? Like you're presenting the problem they already know they have and you're presenting yourself as a solution. So that's so your product that capture. you're selling. You sell exactly. hydration back. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Demand generation is maybe I don't know I have a problem yet. Maybe I am a runner and I'm, you know, going out on kind of my first kind of trail runs. And I'm like, how do I even like how do I hydrate for this? Like, how much should I even be drinking? Like, I'm kind of up here. Um, and for anyone listening, I'm like, you know, up in the clouds in terms of like problem awareness. And so for that, you might need something like how you should be hydrating for your long trail runs, right? And it's like, there's a calculator in there that's like, how much do you weigh? How far are you going to go? Are you a heavy sweater, <laughs> right? Like calculate how much, how many ounces of fluid you need on this trail run. Oh, by the way, did you know our hydration backpack holds that many ounces, right? And so your your solution is kind of a side door to a problem that maybe they don't actually realize they're having yet. And here's the thing, here's why you have to do both. Because there is a much smaller pool of people that know they have a problem, then people they don't know they have that same problem. And that larger pool is always going to feed that smaller pool, right? They're going to realize they have a problem and then move into that smaller pool, right? And so you always have to be feeding that. And so that I, I'm totally there with you, Laval, where it's like people who say you can only do one is like, you're missing the other half. Like, I don't even know how you move forward in business without them both. They are symbiotic, right? Like they can't, 
they, you can't do one without the other for very long. So I, I'm always so confused by that. And I think it comes, stems from this, like, people just want to be like this loud, opinionated personality, whether their content has any substance or not sometimes, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're out there. I think the I think one of the good points that, that you were making in, in, in on your, on your show was like paid search is not the answer. SEO is not the answer. Like they're parts of the answer. And, and when you think about it from an SEO standpoint, that volume of keyword, you can only squeeze so much juice out of it and you have to get them to search more. So like, it's like, uh, like, I think, I feel like people who harp on that, this is the answer. It's not like you have to sort of, do take a holistic approach to these things, and um, and and I think the example that I showed, I, I talked to you about in, in the comments was like how TripAdvisor uses a channel like TV to, to they use TV to show behavior that if you searched for you know uh, New York trip uh, New York hotel versus TripAdvisor New York hotel, you'd have a shitty experience versus a good experience. Yes, and then that made people search they literally yeah. they search for it and you see the google trends like all the searches for it and then when someone lands on and no one searched for that before really or right. in the way they so search trends off the off the chart for new york for literally the what they said in the commercial uh tripadvisor rome tri -da 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 -da. and then when you look at what they were able so they inflated the actual demand for it and then yep. they captured it because they ran paid ads just in case because I don't think they have to because their 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 branded page would would, would rank regardless. Right. So and instead of bidding, well, it was like four dollars a click on New York Hotel. They just took they they, they generated <laughs> so much revenue on the cheap, you know, because they created this demand, they inflated yep. the demand, and then they captured it uh, on the other side with a masterful stroke, right? Yes. And 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 their company built like SEO is in the thesis of their business and content, but they understand the power the power of TV and, and all of that. And like and just human behavior. If you show it to them, people are gonna search. That's what that's what t commercials and all that's for. Yeah. So like when I see this online, I'm like, well Val, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't don't <laughs> don't but, engage. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. I, I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Um, this has been fantastic. We're gonna we're gonna leave everyone with that. Um, so thank you just for being here today. Um, thank you everyone for tuning into the Urban Income Show. I hope that you found this episode to be informative and um, inspiring. Please remember to subscribe to our channel, uh, follow us on social media, and um, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode of the Urban Income Show. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow us on social, and visit urbanincome.com.